Welcome to Midnight Conversations. My name is Stephen Banos. And I'm Anandan Avikaraja. Hey, Anandan. What's happening? Hey, Steve. How you going? Yeah, good. I feel feeling great today. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What what makes you feel good? Um, oh, uh, I've I've let my partner finally talk me, or sorry, guilt me into uh, joining her for a 7 a.m. walks. And I, oh, I gotta wow. say, I'm actually feeling, feeling yeah. much better for it. Oh, there you go. Right. Hopefully you can remember this feeling, right? So clearly our talks from last week has, has benefited you in your personal life. So that's, mm. that's been good. Yeah, I'm actually on my third coffee for the oh, day yeah? as well. Nice. I'm drinking a coffee Thank too. Are you drinking too. one right now? I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cheers. cool. Look. There. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. Podcast and drinks. <laughs> still a theme. <laughs> there we go. Um, so shifted from the wine now to the coffee. So mm. getting healthier and healthier with each yeah. week as we progress through the podcast. Soon you'll wine. be I'm sure doing yoga healthy. and like all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> Not proven yet. We haven't looked into a paper on yoga, but we'll, we should look into it. We will do that soon. Um, and so what's what's been happening? What 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 You've sent through a paper this week, so I feel mm. like this has been your area of expertise, your interest right. in a way, right. because... Um, it's personal expertise, I'd say, hmm. and experience expertise. It's it's Stephen in his element. Uh, do you want to let the listeners know what today's episode is? Maybe interesting. Well, the the paper is about risk taking, and the paper looks into links between risk taking and brain activity. That's right. Um, and it, it, it was off, off the presses because we had yep. a topic planned, and then you know, yeah. twelve hours to the to the day, you were like, "Oh, I got I got something. I got I woke up with some inspiration. I yeah. just I got to get this off my chest. We got to do it on the pod." So well, things I mean, are being postponed, a schedule moved. You know, like we had to stop the presses. I mean, I know it's, it's podcasting <laughs> medium, but no presses stop. You know, we we everything dramatic that happens in our podcasting realm. Mm. She, like stopped for that moment and then we just we just we just rolled with it and went that's why I'm, that's why i'm ready there ready for you to, to, to take the lead on, on the interesting parts about this paper sure. which is yeah risk-taking in in males Look, in 18 18 year old males. i hadn't thought about it until until now but maybe maybe i was having a little bit of a, a crisis this morning thinking oh, yeah. like how uh how much uh like less risk-taking i've become like going for walks at 7 a.m instead of getting yeah. home from from a night out at 7 a.m which feel didn't like feel like was... that long ago and so yeah so you feel like it was yeah. uh it, it was a caution it was a word of warning in your in your life that you've been engaging in healthier behaviors you know you 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 missed the old stephen badass that is it is that the impression bit, we're getting the risk-filled stephen the the one who who what what sort of risks are we talking about what what sort of risks did you engage in oh you're trying trying to push me for some uh, details <laughs> that i shouldn't be sharing here no look i i don't know i think uh when you when you're young generally you you you're more inclined to take well risks. Th- there's you... there's a reason here that the, mm. the study looks at 18 year old males and yes. they excluded um women given that you know the general stereotype, and, and some research has shown it. It's not concrete that mm. um, men are more likely to take risks at the ages of eighteen than than women. So um, they, yeah, they only included men in this stu- study between eighteen and nineteen years old, um, and they looked at. 
those they included those who responded to a questionnaire and who rated as being low or high risk uh, takers mm. and then they had them do a few tasks one one of those tasks was um a driving assessment where they had to essentially go through uh yellow lights and turn right at an intersection and you know when they turned and how quickly they turned um was a measure of their task performance of risk in addition to they had a sort of MRI machine, fMRI is, is something that's used to assess like how the brain changes as you do a task. So they were able to do these tasks in the machine and, and the researchers could measure their areas of the brain. And um, yeah, it's really, really, really interesting what they found. Because overall, um, when I was in university, there was a lecturer who explained sort of the basics of, of neuroscience to me when it comes to how the brain develops. And one of the keys is that it develops from like a back to forward uh, fashion. If you can imagine, you know, the back of your brain to the forward of your brain and um, sort of the front parts of your brain near your temple, those are the ones that develop last. And um, so that's what we call unsurprisingly the frontal cortex or even the prefrontal cortex just before that. Uh, and those areas develop at the very, very end because uh, the brain develops up till 25 roughly. Um, and so what we see there is those are the areas that are required to sort of inhibit some of the impulses that are perceived to be as risky or, you know, even anger, all these like visceral impulses that people can have, they can be stopped when you have some some of these higher level functions happening in the brain. So that's sort of the rationale between why um, the younger age ranges are sometimes stereotyped as having more risky behaviors. There, there's some biological basis to it. And so what he showed me was something called the curve of death. So if you can imagine, you know, uh, and uh, your general graph, you have an X and Y axis, and on the X axis, you have age. And on the Y axis, you have death, right? And as age is increasing, what we see is generally there's a trend where if you can think of it as like a, a U in a wave, like the, the second half of a U, it goes up and not linearly, but like sort of with a bit of a curve, we see that um, your chances of dying increase, unsurprisingly. As you get older, you're more likely to have cancers, all these sort of things that happen. Um, but there was a, he said, well, let's look at this part between 18 and 20. And, it, and then he rubs out part of that uh, drawing and then he does a massive spike. And, it, and he said between the ages of like 17, 18 to 20 something, uh, there's a massive increase in the number of deaths, especially in men. And the biggest factor there was actually car crashes. Mm. So um, unsurprisingly that these researchers used um, some sort of driving simulation to measure risk and assess that but yeah yeah interesting i mean that mm. seems kind of flawed from an evolutionary perspective you'd think so? uh, in our in our early years um when we have more life to to live ahead of us wouldn't you think that we'd be able to assess decisions more quickly to perhaps to perhaps i mean maybe I maybe the the risk taking was required to be able to take that risk to you know eat that berry <laughs> you know you know everyone's yeah. dairy come yeah. on steven do it do it eat the berry eat the berry mm. like, all right guys i'll do it and then you know next day no more steven so you know well, we, need, we, need some, we need some high risk taking <laughs> behaviors to be able to get people to encourage them to take those risks so that and then everyone learned you, you don't eat that pink berry that steven ate. fair <laughs> so, fair fair point. So perhaps, perhaps there's there's reason rationale to it i don't know but um well, yeah. what, were your, what were your takeaways what did you, th what did you well, think about 
Well, so this, so this paper kind of uh, lo- looks at brain activity um, when making decisions, and mm-hmm. so one of one of the sort of findings was relating to the white matter in the brain during that decision making process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it it pointed to the fact that white matter is actually increased in the people who are making um, like fast fast decisions and and taking bigger risks. Yeah. Um. So. I think maybe that's why we we learn faster when we're younger, um, because I don't know. So is it is are we actually smarter yeah. when are we getting smarter when we're taking bigger risks? Is that is that a, a conclusion to draw from this? I mean, to some extent, it, it it's possible, but mm. I mean, there's a few reasons. What, what first we need to look at what does white matter do? So right. if you think of what a neuron is, a neuron is a, a cell in the brain, and you have lots of neurons, and you can think of it as a wire. And at one end of the wire, you have a sort of the cell, and that's where like the the brain of the cell is. All the good stuff is there, right? And that's what we call gray matter. Mm. And then we have this massive wire, which is sort of like a connection cable to the next neuron, and. Uh, that is sort of wire is what we call an axon. And, and when these axons are covered in something called myelin, without getting too technical, mm. essentially, the, these are the things that add up to make the white matter. So when we talk about white matter, we're actually talking about the connections between um, these different cells. Uh, that, that's what makes up white matter. So right. um, things that cause white matter to decrease in, as people aging are usually vascular issues or as uh, smoking is a big one or um, cardiovascular issues, they can all cause uh, the white matter to degrade over time. And so when the white matter degrades, so the wiring between these cells, um, the cells start to degrade because they're not getting that sort of activation from one another as much anymore. So it's sort of this cascade that happens. Um, but very simply, that's what we see. So so you can think of white matter, like the more white matter you have, the more of this sort of connection that you're having um, to one another in each of the different regions. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's essentially what's happening there. So they found, yeah, more white matter in, in uh, what, one group, which was the high risk takers than the other group. Whether that translates to intelligence, um, that's a hard call to make. We don't right. know whether um, it does translate to intelligence, but, you know, it could, and it's possible. I mean, um, observationally, do you think there's a connection between risk-taking and and intelligence? Um, oh, so many questions there. What is yeah. intelligence? What risk-taking is okay. there? But I guess <laughs> if, we're, if we're being broad, I mean, if we're, if we're sure. talking about risk-taking in general and, you know, general intelligence, I guess what you could think of is that uh, some people think that intelligence may be associated with with greater time thinking about a decision but um you know in some cases that's not the case you know knowing when to act quickly is also equally important if everyone sat around thinking all the time it it wouldn't always work so Mm. um yeah i I don't know i i I inherently i'd I'd like to think that sometimes thinking is is and that time to take and to think like i i definitely make better decisions when I, I sleep on things and think about them and let, let the thoughts like sort of ruminate over time. And, and eventually when I feel confident, I'm like, yeah, that, that's probably the yeah. best decision. But how, how but do you, you find I it? I mean, you're doing that at the, at the expense of increased white matter. So, yeah. and now you surely are, you're compelled to make rash decisions having yeah. read this paper, Anadin. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you're right. I mean, perhaps I should be starting to make heaps of uh, heaps of these decisions yeah, really, really quickly. You're not you're not really a risk taker, are you? Generally speaking, um, 
I'm Generally speaking, I think uh, probably not. I, I'd, hmm. I'd probably, I don't know. I, I'd pro- I'm more adverse to risk than I am a risk taker, I'd say. Yeah, I, I'd say depending on what the risk is. I mean, I have taken risks, but in oh, yeah, general. Go on. I, I, is that- <laughs> <laughs> all right, look, before we push each other to spill yeah. the beans and all the, you know. Yeah, let, good idea. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? Where do we, where do we take this? I think, I think I'm um, just... Just spell out the um the the conclusion of this paper, the results. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, w- one conclusion is one thing that you mentioned, which was that yeah, there was more white matter in those who were more likely to take risks than those who were not, and they were more likely to make those uh, decisions quicker. But one other thing they found was like more activations in certain regions of the brain. I, I mean, if you there's a few here that they discuss, but one that would be relevant to the listeners, if you remember the anecdote at the start regarding how the brain develops, um, it's the prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain, which is uh, involved in inhibiting sort of those uh, behaviors or or some of the risk-taking behaviors. And what they found was um, there was activation of a certain part of that, which was um, more specific to risk-taking in adolescence uh, than another part. So it's not the whole prefrontal cortex involved. It may be certain sections of it, and that's sort of the underlying finding here in regards to risk-taking and yeah. that we found. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. in what circumstances in your life, Adam, have you let your <laughs> prefrontal cortex uh, yeah. slip? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, when we think of risks, every, everything, I think... It's interesting when we look at and, and assess risks because everything can seem like a risk until it's not, right? So, right. for example, it uh, for me, I guess, you know, moving down to Canberra, I had a, a life really fairly stable set up in Sydney. I moved down to Canberra. Seemed like a big risk on reflection. That was one of the greatest decisions. And, you know, it, it led to me working with a team of researchers who do amazing research and I'm surrounded by really intelligent people. And you know, you never know, you, you know, it's hit or miss uh, how these things go and there's an element of luck to it. But risk is, um, yeah, it's how you define risk, right? So yeah, yeah it's, you, you do what you think is right. And you, I'm, I've always been a big believer that no matter what the decision is that I've made in life, even if it's a, a good or bad decision, if you work hard enough, you can turn bad decisions into good ones. So um, I've always, that's always comforted me. So I feel like there's no real bad decision that's, you know, lingers on. But I don't know. What about yourself? That's kind how, of a nice how, sentiment. <laughs> um, how do you find it? Yeah, look, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been obsessed with this idea at times that like risk-taking uh, is, is going to lead to a, a more fulfilling life right and well that's that's the uh, stereotype right the idea mm. of like the biggest risk taker is someone who like packs a small bag and like travels the world yeah. and lets their life you know live in front of them but it's, totally it's, so is that how you feel is that well, is- yeah i mean you, you look at guys like bill gates and stuff he has all these anecdotes about how he would just you know sneak out at night and he drives along highways you know at twice the speed limit and things and he really? fact, I didn't he, know that actually. yeah no watch there's a documentary on Netflix called Inside Bill's Brain I think um, oh yeah brilliant. And, yeah brilliant. right right yeah. I thought I watched that but I missed that bit so he would mm. he would um, drive he, really fast yeah in a car yeah okay. and he and he and he pushes like uh, young people today to to get out and take some risks and explore mm. the world. Mm. And yeah. I think that's that's a pretty common story as well uh, among yeah. people like the Richard Bransons of the world and Tony mm. Robbins, guys that like really like just threw themselves out there and have tried something like, you know, brazen and they're not really that well thought out. 
just yeah. to see where it would lead them. See, see my, my mm. counter to that is is sort of the the rational side of me, which thinks that it's a select portion of the population that we see. Right? You you yeah. we get to see those who took risks and succeeded, but mm. do we always see those who took risks and didn't succeed? Or you know, well, that's, how that's many Richard thing, Bransons yeah. of the world are there out there who like? you know didn't didn't fully make it you sure, know sure, sure. And, and not to be too pessimistic about it but um just understanding that there may be some sort of bias in how we mm. how we perceive things you know this idea that i, I remember because the way i conceptualized this is i had this similar bias when i th- thought about work ethic mm. and you see all these people who are very very successful and they have a very strong work ethic and i was interested in that and then i realized that you know also work ethic doesn't always equal success there are people who work very very hard and even like you can think of like factory workers or or people in you know different countries who who work at a incredible degree you know 20 100 times greater than anyone i know yet mm. they're not as successful as, as some of those people and, and it's just purely down to luck circumstance you know the yes. hand you're dealt so it's, yes, a, it's yes, made definitely. me think about that in a way uh, about mm. perception and how we how we see those success stories and what we take from them but yeah i mean de- definitely definitely mm. but then there is a lot to gain from just doing something a little bit wild you know making yourself vulnerable for a moment there's there are, uh, yeah. there are oh, lessons definitely. in that and definitely yeah i i mean i i noticed especially uh during my law degree the people that i was meeting that i found most interesting were the mm. were the guys that were like partying all the time that were taking drugs that were traveling on their own all the time that were doing really like exciting things that just had massive risks attached to that and a lot of these guys were were, i considered to be far more intelligent than than others who hadn't really experienced that who hadn't seen that side of the world who hadn't felt those emotions Mm. i saw i mean well, I think it, what's interesting mm-hmm. here is that view of intelligence we come back to is it's not right. fixed, right? It's not just academic smarts. There's of also course, yeah. intelligence that's beyond that and there's different domains. But without going mm. into that, like it's, as you say, experience lead, can lead to intelligent ideas. I mean, that's yeah. that's why I find reading so useful because mm. it exposes me to different ideas and, you know, watching documentaries helps as well or, or really any sort of information adds so that you can think outside of yourself. So, yes. um, yeah, yes. it's it's interesting that you see that. So you, you mm. find that um, risk has benefit and, and is a necessary part of life. So in saying that, what I'm interested to ask you, Steve, without mm. this yeah. going into like a bit of a therapy session is cool. you, you initially noted that you've become more and more risk adverse is safe yep. to say as you've gotten older and i think that's a fair estimate to say for most people as they age you know the the ability to take risks maybe decreases or or the uh, need or want or desire to do so in a safe way or to a way you can manage so how do you feel that has impacted your life given mm. that you express this desire to continue to take risks despite the fact that you acknowledge it, it decreases I look failures shape your life oh yeah right okay. a, a lot i think yeah when you when you put yourself out there and you and you you know enter a relationship that you know isn't that really right for you or if you i don't know speak up in class when you have mm. no idea what you're talking about and you get shut down by a lecturer <laughs> yeah, can sh- yeah. it can shape the way that you approach the rest of the the semester the rest of your degree even and yeah and relationship back to that point. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I have become a lot more cautious now because of the the times that I've failed and been hurt. And mm. I think that's that's fairly normal. Yeah. No. But, definitely. To, to 
definitely. I think I think that mm. can shape shape people to a, a diff, yeah. yeah. I, when I'm when I'm teaching, I'm always very very conscious of like how my teaching and and, and the way I handle the classroom impacts the students because like sure. there's so many significant moments there. So interesting. So you find that that that's really what's what's shaped your decisions there. I th- I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But and are I, you happy with that? Yes and no. I don't know. Okay. I, yeah, I think yeah. recently I've been feeling like there is so much to gain from taking big risks and I'm trying to push myself to, you know, find the confidence to be able to do that mm. again. Mm. Um, and that's why I found this study really interesting. That's why yeah. I found this study in the first place because I, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, so that's, it's that's cool been your takeaway from that. the study yeah. is, is mostly to, to, there are benefits to taking risks and mm. so it's it's it would be useful especially within your life to take some more eh? you know how there's like a running thing whenever i find a paper it's because i'm trying to win an argument with my partner yeah. i have yeah. uh, noticed that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so this, this argument revolves you being pro taking risks yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm I'm, yeah. I'm constantly pushing uh wendy to to be a little less risk adverse yeah, because yeah, she's well. It it could be it could be incremental risks uh, are always relative, right? So incremental risks can always be useful as well. So taking one, it, <laughs> one of one of, the, one of the biggest arguments that we had was we yeah. were driving from uh, Canberra to Sydney during the height mm. of the bushfires. Oh no! And yeah, right. There's a sign on the highway that says uh, "Road ahead is closed." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have the option of of taking an exit now and extending. Yeah the the length of the journey significantly mm. Mm. or we can take the risk and say that sign was a lie and just make make way for you know like just drive forward as if that sign yeah. was a lie then we'll we could either make the trip in two hours or yeah. at that point if it's closed further along we extend the length of the journey like significantly right yeah 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 and and that that, that was i was just like we have to drive forward it's it's like if we take an exit now, it's, it turns into a three-hour drive. Yeah. And then my partner goes, well, if it turns out it's blocked up the road, it turns into a five-hour drive. Yeah, like, yeah, But yeah. if we go forward and it's not blocked, it's a two-hour drive. Right. I, I lost that, that argument. Out. Oh, you we, lost the... <laughs> we, we, just, we took the exit, but yeah. I complained the whole way. Who was driving? I'm interested to know. Me, I was driving. Oh, was so you driving. had you had so you had full <laughs> control to keep going straight, regardless. So it means not only. Uh, hmm. uh, I think that shows that you're you're a good listener. <laughs> 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 that's, that's that's what that key is there. Um, I mean, hmm. for me, it would have been the rationale you took to say that the sign was a lie, as if like someone is just messing with you and saying yeah. <laughs> the road ahead. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's possible <laughs> that that you, you, they haven't changed the sign based on what. But given the circumstances of there being bushfires and the road being closed, I feel like right. I mean, I'm not going to take sides here. Look, I, let, let, it sounds <laughs> I like, like you have taken a side. Listeners, if you want to take a side, feel free to email through to <laughs> yeah, Midnight Conversations <laughs> yeah, podcast and you can uh, let us know which side. Uh, that's, how, that's the best way to settle any any relationship argument. I think there yeah, you email yeah. in and tell me I'm right, please. Yeah. <laughs> but in saying that, I think that's the big takeaway. I mean, from, mm. from this study, they did find differences between those who take risks and do not um, in the brain volume. We don't know whether these are related to intelligence or other aspects. But what's interesting is that I guess the idea of that um, there are differences in the brain and the reaction time taken to, to make those decisions or quicker in those, like, so there's a bit more indecisiveness in those who weren't taking, um, who weren't classified as risk takers. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'd all like to think of ourselves as, as having some element of 
you know, of not being boring, right? Like being able to to mm. do something, as you say, that's interesting. And and it, I I don't know. I think I don't know if you always need to take risks for for yourself to be interesting. I think you just uh, sometimes being interested in the world can lead to interesting conversations uh, in itself. I, th- I think uh, that's a that's a nice sentiment as well. Yeah. You get places slower. Just yeah, saying. that's true. That's true. You, you, um, you, stri- you strike me as a bit of a reckless driver, Anadin. Oh, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I did lose my license once, uh, but that's a conversation <laughs> for another story. Uh, I, I uh, had a disagreement with uh, the Australian government about how fast I was going. Um, mm. They think I was going faster than I was. Yeah, um, I, I I was out of it. That they, I to this day, I'm pretty sure that uh, anyone who's been in a car with me knows that I I drive extremely slowly and I'm extremely cautious. <laughs> and so the guy pulled me over and was like, "Oh, you you're, you're driving like 20 kilometers over the speed limit." And I was like, "I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not." And he was like, "No, I I know you are." And I was like, oh, "Well." This is just a difference of opinions. <laughs> so <laughs> that did not lead to a good ending. I mean, I'll tell the story later on a different note. But, different podcast. Um, we'll wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, and saying that, I think also, Steve, mm. last podcast, we talked about ways yep. to end this podcast. Sure. There was a song. You sang yeah, a song. Did we? Oh, yeah. um, well, oh, you, you yes, did. You did right. Yeah, you did a bit of a jingle. It, it was, uh, I think I shot you down too quickly about that jingle. I think if you, uh, if you wanted to uh, bust out a rap mm. or if you wanted to have something, I, I think... I should give you 20 seconds to be creative at the end of each show to just to take risks, you know, to, to take right. those those leaps into into the void or, and see what happens. So, t- Stephen, um, I'm sitting next... here thinking this podcast was a winner, but now it's time for Stephen Anadin to go have dinner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, let us know if that risk paid off or if we uh, we could always cut the podcast shorter as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, it's saying that. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks for listening, Thank everyone at home. And uh, we'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Oh, bye.